You're listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast with Pastor Dave Coop. We have a Bible for one reason, one major reason, and that's that we get to know the author. You can know all the verses, you can have it all memorized, you can be the greatest theologian in the world, but if you don't know God, you kind of miss the point. The point is to know God. Jesus came that we might know our Father. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He came to give us a way that we could have a relationship with God. That's If you boil it all down, if you go to the headwaters of this thing, that's what it is, that we could know God. Now, in discovering his glory, the neat thing about God is you keep learning more and more about him. If you think about the universe and you say, well, I've kind of seen the universe. I have a telescope. I've seen Saturn and I've seen Mars and I've seen seen the Milky Way. I think I've kind of seen it all. No, you've just begun. And it is the same way with God. We have just begun to discover the glory, the depths of our God. So I hope this year we discover more of God's presence in our life. The Bible actually says you go from glory to glory. You get a greater understanding of who God is. So today's lesson is pretty important because it's a key to understanding and having a deeper revelation of God's glory. And we call it participation or servanthood serving actually leads us to discover the blessings and the glory of god if you have your bibles go to john chapter 13 would you say with me this afternoon thank you lord i don't know if we really meant that or not i was like thank you lord (laughs) let's try one more time like we're really thankful for the book of john what we're going to say is Thank you, Lord, for the book of John, all right? So that's kind of where we're going. Maybe you just weren't sure where I was going with that. You weren't sure what you were thanking God for. It's like, oh, I don't know what I thought. Let me tell me, tell me first what I'm thanking God for. So let's try it one more time. Thank you, Lord, for the book of John. Yeah, that's a little better. I think God felt the enthusiasm in that one. It's the afternoon crowd, so maybe we just have to wake up a little bit more. But John 13 is where we are, and this is a story of Jesus, and he's going to wash the disciples' feet. You probably know the story, but let's review it a bit. In Luke's account, Peter and John got sent ahead to get the, the meal ready, all right? So, uh, if you've ever had to get a meal ready, you know what you got to do, right? You got to go and buy some groceries. You got to get, the, they had, I don't know what they had that day. We know for sure they had bread and wine because we had the Lord's Supper after this, but they got everything ready. They rented the room or they got the room ready. And uh, it was Passover time, so they would have had what also went with the Passover meal. So they got it all ready for that. And then Jesus and the disciples went to this room. In John 13, the Bible tells us that Jesus knew his hour had come. He told the disciples just before this, he says, you know what, I'm going to die, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to rise again. So they had that picture ready. And the Bible tells us here that he knew the Father loved him, and he knew he loved his disciples, and it says he would love them to the end. So we have this amazing love of our Lord, and we have this also description of how he knew he was God's son. He was, he was with the Father. Then John, or yeah, John writes that Jesus knew that the Father had given him all things and that he, was, he knew where he was coming from, he came from God, and he, he knew he was going to God. And after that, it says he rose from supper. So they've had supper, and then he rises from supper, he laid aside his garment, he took a towel and girded himself. So it's kind of like having a suit jacket on. He didn't want to wash people's feet with a suit jacket on, so he took off the suit jacket. He gets the basin, and he gets the towel, and he begins to wash 
the disciples' feet. Now, it's out of order. You weren't supposed to wash their feet after supper. This should have been washed before supper. You kind of wash your hands before you eat, right? Not after you eat. Well, back then you washed your feet before you ate and your hands. It's a little bit different than today. You say, why was that? That's a strange custom. Well, because they didn't have sidewalks, and they wore sandals, and there was a lot of camels and donkeys and horses on the street, so there was a lot of manure around, there was a lot of dust around, and so when you went in a person's place, the first thing that usually happened was a servant would wash your feet, and then you would enter in, you'd sit down, and you'd have this meal together. Obviously, the disciples knew and had got ready because they were to prepare the place, that there was a basin there and there was a towel there. I don't know how it happened. It'd be fun to go back and look at the video footage of it, and, but you can't do that yet. Maybe when we get to heaven, we'll get to do that. But anyhow, they all sat down and they're all thinking the same thing. Who's going to wash our feet? And I could just see some of them thinking, well, you know, Thomas, Thomas the doubter, he deserves to have to wash our feet. Come on, Thomas, get over and wash our feet. There was a little bit of jealousy in this group, okay? I know that the, unlike any other group you've ever been in, you know, but there was a little bit of jealousy and tension in the group. Some said, oh, you know, I think Peter should do it. He thinks he's such a big shot anyhow, just because he got the room ready. He thinks he doesn't have to wash our feet. I don't know about that. And he wants to sit on the right hand of Jesus on the throne. And so I think he needs to do it. Just kind of come off his high horse and wash our feet. And maybe somebody else thought, you know, I think Thaddeus should do it. You remember Thaddeus? He's one of the disciples. We don't hear so much about him. Maybe he was the bench warmer. You know, <laughs> come on, you're the water boy. Get up here and wash our feet. We're not sure what happened, but nobody washed each other's feet. And here's Jesus. He sees what's going on. These disciples were into pecking order. I know it's never happened at Coastal. I know it's never happened at your family, your workplace, where you are, but it happened with the disciples. There was this little bit of juggling for position. And uh, so... Jesus steps up, he gets the towel, and he gets the basin, and he begins to wash their feet. He goes by them. Peter, he doesn't want Jesus to wash his feet. He's up. Oh, Jesus, you can't wash my feet. I mean, come on, Jesus, you're the leader. You shouldn't be doing this. And Jesus said, well, if I don't wash your feet, you'll have no part of me. He says, well, then wash all of me. That was, that was Peter. He was so gung-ho. So they wash, he, he washes all their feet, and then he gives them a lesson. And so we'll pick up the lesson in your notes, chapter 13 and verse 15. He says, I have given you an example to follow. Do as I've done to you. That, that would be enough for this afternoon. If we just had that one verse, that's enough. Jesus is our example. We have to do as he's done. Verse 16, how true is it that a servant is not greater than the master? nor are messengers more important than the one who sends them. You know these things. Now do them. That is the path of blessing. If you like, underline that. That is the path of blessing. Man, I want to discover God's glory. I want to live here in the blessings of God. How do I get there? How do I discover that? Jesus just gave us a clue. I know it's contrary to a lot of things we've learned or even the way we've uh, had to deal with things in society. But here is a clue. He said, do as I've done, roll up your sleeves and be a servant. That's the pathway to blessing. That's where we discover the glory. Serving is a sign of security. If you're filling in the note blanks, you can write in the word security. 
If you're insecure, you have a hard time serving. If you're insecure, you have a hard time volunteering. If you're insecure, you have a hard time saying, I'm going to wash your feet. Jesus could have very easily said, you know what? I don't do that kind of stuff. I'm the leader. I asked you guys to set up the room. You guys should have had that done already. But he doesn't do that. He is secure in who he is, his relationship with God, his destiny. He's secure in three things. And we could, we could mine this out of these verses, but we don't have time to do that. He's secure in his identity. If you're insecure in your identity, you will not find yourself a servant. He's secure in his purpose. He knew what he was there to do. He was secure in his destiny, identity, purpose, and destiny. He was secure in all three of those. He knew where he came from, and he knew where he was going. If we're insecure, again, very difficult to be a servant to others, whether it be in your home, whether it be in your workplace, whether it be in your church or your community. Security, identity, secure in who you are, knowing that you're loved, is a key to serving others. Servanthood is an attitude. Philippians 2, 5 to 7, have the same attitude. If you like, circle the word attitude. Jesus had an attitude. You can have bad attitude. You can have good attitude. Sometimes we say, oh, man, that person's got attitude. And that just means it's bad attitude, right? But you can have a good attitude. Jesus has good attitude. It says, have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Although, although he was in the form of God and equal with God, did not take advantage of this equality. Now, Jesus is, he's got the highest position in the universe, all right? It says, all things were made by him, without him nothing was made. When we watched Louis Giglio's presentation of the universe, and they showed that shot from space, the little blue dot, and it was captured in this ray of light, and we're on that little blue dot, we realized at that moment when we saw that video, we're really not that big a deal. doesn't matter what you've conquered or what you've done, who you are, we're really not that big a deal. Jesus created the little blue dot, created the universe, was equal with God, created mankind, and yet... Jesus rolls up his sleeves, washes the dirt and the manure off the disciples' feet. He had an attitude. He could have easily said to the disciples as they were sitting around the table that day and could have come in there and said, you know, guys, quite frankly, I'm a little disappointed in all of you. I thought you'd have it figured out by now. We've ha- I've been waiting all supper for one of you, just one of you to get up Do you know who I am? I am the Son of God. Created the universe. Here I am. I told you tomorrow I'm going to be crucified. You realize I'm executed tomorrow. You know what I'm going to be going through. And then you guys sit around this table. None of you get up. You're bickering inside. And I have to tell you to wash. Somebody get up and wash the people's feet. Jesus, that was not his attitude. He said, follow my example. Great position. No greater position. Took on the form of a servant. This is God. Taking on human form. Gets down. Gets a basin. Gets on his knees. And says, here, let me wash your feet. Peter, let me wash your feet. Thomas, let me wash your feet. He goes around and washes every one of the disciples' feet. That's an attitude. 
we need to, hello, sync with Jesus. I have an iPod. I have to sync it with my computer. And you know what this servanthood stuff? I got to sync that daily. I don't know about you, but I got to keep that getting synced up because my old way tries to get in the way and I have to keep reminding myself I am to be a servant because Christ was a servant. It's, that is the pathway to blessing. That's the pathway to discover his glory. We also, also talked about prayer. We can talk about worship, other components. But this is really, really important to be a servant. A number of years ago, I had the privilege of going down to Saddleback, where Rick Warren's church is. Very well-known preacher in the United States. This was before he hit kind of the newspaper with his book, The Purpose Driven Life. Probably eight years ago, maybe nine. And he had a conference for the Purpose Driven Church. And I just read his book and so forth. I said, I'm going to go down there to the conference. So I went to the conference. Great conference. I like Rick Warren. He's a great communicator. And we had the conference. And uh, during the break, I went out to go to the washroom. And uh, something was very strange. There was a lineup for the men's washroom. Normally only the women have a lineup for the washroom. But there was a lineup for the men's washroom. I thought, what is with this? So it was very busy. So I got my in the queue. I'm in the lineup. And it moved about as fast as going through the, uh, you know, the, the, the new security check at the airport. It was a real slow lineup. And I was waiting my turn, waiting my turn, waiting my turn. And finally, I turned the corner, and I'm in the men's washroom. And now the second thing hit me that was really strange. You've never seen such a happy, smelly place in your life. It was full, but everybody was laughing and a lot of joy in the place. I said, this is weird. And then there was this guy standing on the side, and he was barking out orders in the men's washroom. I've never seen anything like it or since. But there he was standing in the men's washroom, and he said, I got a stall for you right here, number five, down the road. A stall with a view. Help yourself down there. What's your name? Where are you from? Hey, I got a urinal right in the corner. It's free right now. Help yourself down there. What are you, number one or number two? Number Okay, we got something for you over here. And he was just, it was hilarious, this guy. So I walked up there, and I got my turn. He says, where are you from? And I said, well, I'm from Canada. Hey, we got a Canuck in the place. <laughs> he says, uh, what do you want? I says, well, I told him what I needed to do. He says, okay, you gotta, we got a stall for you down there. I go, this is crazy. Everybody was laughing. I thought, I've never experienced anything like that in my life. You talk about servanthood. So I, I ran into him later on. I said, I said I'm, that was really different. I've never had a bathroom experience like that before. I says, who are you? Why do you do that? He goes, I do it every year. I book my holidays around that event. I says, you book your holiday to work in a men's bathroom? I says, where do you work normally? He says, I work in L.A. I says, well, what do you do? He was a senior executive for a very well-known company. And every year, he booked his holidays to work in a bathroom to tell you which stall to go into to make a difference there. What kind of attitude is that? It's not like he couldn't have done other things and they wouldn't have been good and maybe he volunteered other places. But to me, that was an example of servanthood. And he made a difference. He loved to do it. It was a good example. I've never forgotten it. Let me give you a few points this afternoon here. Traits of a servant who discover the glory. They walk in love. And so they're aware of the needs of others. Because when you walk in love, it's not about me. 
Because love seeks not its own. 1 Corinthians 13, love seeks not its own. You see a need and meet it. We lived in Tennessee for a year, and there we went to school. And while at school, we attended a church where the pastor's name was Brother Littlefield. Cheryl and I didn't want to go to this church. We said, you know what? It's really old school. We didn't like their music. And we weren't so sure. The pastor wasn't very eloquent. The people were older. And we just, we fought God. So I'm not going to go to that church. But God wouldn't leave us alone. He said, I want you to go to that church. And we end up learning more from the pastor there than we did from Bible school. So we went to this church. His name was Brother Littlefield. And I got involved. We got serving. We, our first, one of the first things he had us do was go to a storehouse where we gave away food. And it was called Feed the hungry. That's the name of it. Feed the hungry. And then right next to it, he'd always laugh. Every time we pulled up, he laughed and laughed because right next to it was Weight Watchers. Oh, that's so funny. I feed the hungry and there's Weight Watchers. How strange is that? So he, he thought that was funny. But we had lots of people that would come, especially from the Smoky Mountains and the hills, and they'd come and they'd receive food. And he gave away to everybody. He was just, he, he lived this life as a, of a servant. One day he pulls me aside and he says, Dave, you're, you're from the farm. I go, yeah. He says, do you know how to drive a grain truck? I go, yeah, I can drive a grain truck. Can you drive like a five-ton grain truck? Oh, yeah, I can drive a five-ton grain truck. He's good. Then you could drive a bus. Now I'm cornered. I said, yeah, I could drive a bus. He says, well, I've got a bus. It's a long bus, 36 passenger. You know the kind, the yellow school bus, hard seats, windows that don't open. Have you been on one of those? I sat on a lot of years going to school as a kid. And so he says, would you drive that bus? I says, yeah. Sure, I'll drive the bus. Wasn't sure what I was getting into, but I said I'd drive the bus. He was always one step ahead of us. He knew what we needed. He put us in places that was way outside of our comfort zone. So I got under the bus, and he said, there's an assistant who will go with you. She'll tell you where to stop. Now, if you drive through the Smoky Mountains, the roads are paved, but they're about as wide as our sidewalk, okay? So it's very narrow, skinny little roads and uh, tight corners, Long bus, 36 passenger, and uh, I'm driving this bus, weaving my way. Of course, you start at the end of the way, end of the track, and you, you work your way back. So I stop there, and these two kids come running out, super happy, laughing and skipping their way up the bus. And, man, those kids are happy. And then they got on the bus, and I go, ooh, this is different. They were mentally challenged, and he knew what he was up to. He was pushing me outside my comfort zone. I'd never worked with mentally challenged people. They got on super happy, and, and the, the, the bus assistant knew them, and she, they, they sat down. I said, oh, okay. The next stop, same thing. The next stop, they're all mentally challenged people. Brother Littlefield was setting me up. He intentionally had me drive bus, get me out of my comfort zone. He wanted me to serve these people. Now, I had an attitude. I must say my attitude was wrong. I was thinking as I was picking up these kids, one of the guys, he wasn't a kid. He must have been in his 40s. I'll never forget him till the day I die because when he got on the bus, before he even got there, he looked at me and said, how you doing? All right? I just didn't know what to say. And so he said, all right. He answered for me. And from that day on, every time he see me, he said, how you doing, Dave? All right? All right. I could be... You know, half a block away, he'd see me go, hey, Dave. He was my best friend. I mean, I love these people by the end of it. They, I, 
I, I learned to, I fell in love with mentally challenged people during that time. God did a work in my heart. But it didn't start that way. I had attitude. It was wrong attitude. I was driving that bus, and I thought, who does Brother Littlefield think he is? He doesn't realize it, but I left a very good position in Calgary. My office overlooked the Bow River. My office. I got offered a lot of money that I turned down to be here. I have a really good set of skills, and I got to drive a bus. You know, God will put you to place he'll work through your attitude. See what you're really about. And at first, I came back and parked the bus, and Brother Hillfield said, you know, how'd you enjoy that? Oh, it was was good. Who are you going to get to drive next week? Oh, Dave, you're driving next week. And you know what? It, It was so good for me. It was great for me just to work with those people, learn to love them, and it really helped my attitude. He taught us, find a need and meet it. Willingly get involved without complaining. If you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 2, and we'll read a few verses there. Philippians 2, verse 3 and 4 says, Let nothing, nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. How many know nothing covers covers it all, right? Nothing be done that way. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. Then it says in verse 13, For it is God who works in you, both to will and do his good pleasure. It doesn't say God's at work in you to do your good pleasure, not your agenda. God's at work in you to do his good pleasure. Verse 14, Do all things, all things... All things, all things in your home, all things in your workplace, all things in your church, all things in your community, without complaining. You can say, oh me, amen, whatever you like. But this is God's instruction to us. The life of a servant. Oh, pastor, I'd really like to discover a greater realm of God. I want to know God better. My spiritual life seems like it's stalemated. I feel it kind of stagnant. Maybe we just need to do a checkup from the neck up and say, well, what's your attitude been like? Have you been complaining? Have you been murmuring? What's your attitude? God loves you unconditionally. That's a fact, right? Loves us unconditionally. But you know, he doesn't bless you unconditionally. If you don't forgive, he cannot forgive you. That's a fact. If we don't serve, the blessings don't follow. He loves us unconditionally. But the Bible says to work out your salvation. We're not saved by works. But there is an aspect where we have to do our part. There's certain laws that the Lord has set up that are in motion. That if you will live live under the blessing, then we have to have a servant's heart and attitude. The good news is, hallelujah, he will download that into our hearts. You don't have to do it out of the flesh. The Bible says that he deposits his love in your heart. He shed his love abroad. He sheds his love in your heart. I didn't know how to love those people that got on the bus. I couldn't relate to them. But some, a miracle happened, folks. When God got a hold of my stinking attitude and said, get over, Dave. It's not about you. Look at them, love them, they're mine, they're precious in my sight. A miracle happened. I can't describe it. 
if I, when I get to heaven, I want to see that guy that always would say to me, how are you doing all right? I love that guy. When I saw him, it was like, man, I couldn't wait to give him a hug. What happened? In that crucible of servanthood, when it's not about you, when it's about serving others, there's a love that comes in you that will reflect the glory of God like, it's what Mother Teresa had. It's what Bob has in Haiti. It's what Carl had yesterday, that celebration service when he, we celebrated his life. Why were there hundreds of people in here for a very ordinary man? Because he lived in a lifestyle of servanthood. I'm preaching to somebody this afternoon. It's so, so revolutionary. Jesus was, he gave us the example. If there was anybody who could have said, hey, look at my title. Look what I done. I don't do that stuff anymore. No, no, no. He served. In church, we have the biggest opportunity, really, in the next couple of weeks to serve the world. They will know we're Christians by our love. When we serve coffee, know we're Christians by our love. I shared that need the other day with somebody who was at the funeral. They said, what are you doing for the Olympics? And I said, we're giving away all this coffee. And I said, it's, we might end up serving 40,000 cups of coffee. I know that's a lot of coffee to brew downstairs. We're going to do it. I said, it's not in our budget. This business guy looked at me and he said, how much is it going to cost you? I said, it could cost us $4,000 for coffee and hot chocolate. He says, I want that. I want that. Give that to me. He says, I, I know we're planting good seed. Don't you let anybody else pay for it. I want that one. I want to buy it. Smart business guy. He gets it. You know what he gets? He knows that every cup that's served at Translate Station, serving thousands of people, he paid for that. He got the opportunity to give into that. That's the kind of attitude we need to have. Just like, we can do that. And I know we all do that in, in our regular giving. I'm not taking away any from that. I'm just ref- I want to just give you an idea, a reflection of somebody's heart. How do I serve? He's serving in doing that. Couldn't come and do that, but I can help pay for it. Equally important. Equally needed. Okay. Uh, lost track of time. Hear that buzzer going off there? A little ding, ding. I was just saying, look at the time, preacher. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I don't know. What, what is that ding, ding? That was earlier. A tourist bus. They got a new route or what? All doing the Olympic route. Oh, we got the new route. New Olympic ding, ding happening out there. All right. We got lots of changes happening during the Olympics. It's going to be fun. You guys want some more? You're done. Okay, very good. The rest of you didn't say anything, so too bad. <laughs> uh, you snooze, you lose, they say. <laughs> Am I snoozing? No. <laughs> Sorry, we're having too much fun. Okay, number four. I don't know if we covered the first three, but we're on number four. Number four, serve as a son, not a hired man. I got these points from a pastor, from another pastor, from another pastor. Who, and eventually we traced it back to a guy by the name of Bill Hodges. I have no idea who he is. Anyhow, Bill Hodges is the supposed guy who put down these points. So we're going to use them this morning or this afternoon. We serve as a son, not a hired man. Jesus said in John chapter 10, the hireling flees because he's a hireling and does not care about the sheep. 
My dad hired hired men, and uh, they would help bring in the harvest. And we hired them to do the baling, put up bales, put up hay, and different things. I'll never forget the day. I was sitting on our front porch, and uh, there was my dad. And my dad was paying the, the hired men. He got up the cash. He, he, I forget what he gave him. He gave him the cash. And the hired man was there. He started probably around 6 o'clock in the morning or so. And it was now like 6 o'clock at night. And he gives him the money for the day. And I'm sitting there. I said, hey, Dad, uh, where's my money? And I said, uh, you, you don't get him paid. The hired man had left. I said, Dad, I don't get it. I saw how much you gave that guy. I know how much you give me. You give me a little bit every month. And, but that guy got paid pretty good today. He's left. It's 6 o'clock. We're going to have supper. I got to go milk the cows. I got to feed the pigs yet. I know I'm not going to get done chores till 8, 8.30. I'll go down to the river, have a swim. I come back. I start all over again the next day. It's not fair, Dad. I know what you paid him. What about me? I got to do chores yet. My dad says, son, I pay him by the hour. But this farm is yours. And never forget it. And that day... I had a revelation as a son that I wasn't working by the hour. This was mine. And when you serve, what's your attitude when you serve? Do you serve your company? Like, I want my paycheck. Bless God, I should get my 20 bucks an hour, my 40 bucks an hour, whatever it is. I, man, I, I want it too. And I'm not going to be at work one minute before I have to. And when it's time to check out, I'm checking out. See you later. Lunch hour, I'm going to get every minute plus a little bit more. What am I, what's my benefit package? Yeah. Do I have medical? Do I have dental? Do I have maternity? I want to see what's in my medical package. Oh, job review. What kind of raise are you giving me? You know what? You'll get your wage, you'll get your increase, and you'll get paid. But you won't be on the path to blessing. You'll get your paycheck. Bless your heart. (laughs) Zig Ziglar tells a story. Two guys are working on the railroad. And they're working away, pounding in the stakes and so forth. Rail car pulls up. Off the rail car comes the president of the railway and another man beside him. The two guys are working away under the sun, sweating, as they come out of the back of the rail car, the man with the president looks down at one of the guys who's sweating away, and he calls out to him. I don't know what his name is. Let's say it's Joe. He says, Joe, come on up here. Joe leaves his hammer and pick, whatever he had, sweat, dirty, and he walks up onto that rail car. He's in the rail car for about an hour or so. He comes back down smiling and beaming, and his buddy says to him, what were you doing in the rail car? He's always having lunch with the president. And that other fellow, he goes, what gives? How come they didn't invite me up there? He goes, well, that other guy's my friend. He says, well, how do you know him? He says, oh, we started for the rail company on the same day. Same job, same position. He says, well, how come you're not up in that rail car? And he looked at me and says, I'll tell you why. I went to work by the hour, and he went to work for the company. And that's why he got promoted, and I didn't get promoted. One had a servant's heart. One had a what-can-I-get-out-of-it attitude. Jesus taught us to serve as a son. There's a difference. It works in church. It works in your community. It works in your company. How do you serve? You can serve as a hireling. What can I get out of it for me? 
my four no more, or you can serve as a son. You say, yeah, but that, that's pretty risky. Yeah, it is. It's a higher life. It's a higher road. But it's the pathway to blessing. Ah, it's so quiet in this conservative social country of Canada. Okay, let's blaze through these points. Sons build the house. Hirelings are there for their own interest. Everyone, what, man, how come that person got promoted? I know there's politics and all the rest of it. Just trust God with this. Trust Him with this. The just shall live by faith. Live by His word. Trust Him in this. Sons hold the Father's heart in success. Sons are family-oriented. Hirelings are my ministry-oriented my ministry is to do this. Oh, I'd love to volunteer. I went to the equipping basis pastor and on that list it says that I was called to be a uh, camera operator. That's my gift. Camera operator, been trained. I went to Vancouver School of Film or whatever it is. and I'm, I'm a camera operator. Oh, great. We, we need camera operators from time to time. But this week, we could really use somebody to wash the washrooms. Uh, don't do washrooms. Well, I can operate a mean camera. Sign me up for that camera. No, no, but we could just use some help in the washroom. Uh, you know, my ministry is to do that. God usually will test us if we're willing to serve in another role before our, where our really giftings and callings and talents are. It's just the way of it. He does an attitude check. And to try to bypass that, I don't know how God does it. But he just kind of brings you back again until you pass that test. You can circle that mountain for 40 years if you like to, or you can just say, God, whatever I do, I'm going to do is unto the Lord and not unto men. I count it a privilege to serve you wherever, doing whatever. It's the same test we had to pass as driving a bus, picking up people. It was like, oh, God, I don't do this. Well, God will check it out, and he'll work with your attitude until you say, Lord, I am just willing to serve and do whatever. And in that place of servitude, that's again the pathway to blessing. Uh, we are on number D. Sons use the language of family, ours, us, and we. You can tell if somebody's how they have uh, taken on by the language they use. If they say our church, us, we should do this, or even in your company, your our company, I think we should be doing, or we should, could do it this way, the language. Sons honor the chain of command. Hirelings question it. They're second-guessing. Sons want to share their lives with the fathers. They're, they serve the vision, not make it. So, sons will bond new people to the family and the father. Watch as hirelings bond new people to themselves. Sons have no agenda of, of their own. Sons will focus on the welfare of people. Hirelings focus on their appearance. Sons share their inner conversations. Hirelings tell you only what they want you to know. And then sons are secure. They're teachable. They can handle correction and change. Where hirelings place their fault on someone else. So those who serve as a son are the ones who will be sent. Philippians chapter 2, just in closing a few verses here. Paul writes, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly that I may also be encouraged when I know your state. 
Timothy was used mightily by God. Let's ask the question, well, why was Timothy sent? Why wasn't somebody else? Here's the answer. For I have no one like-minded, like-minded. He was in agreement with the leader. He agreed with Paul, who sincerely cares for your state, not his own state. It was about others. It was about serving them. He had that attitude like Christ. Wash their feet. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character. Character is so important that as a son, watch this part, as a son with his father, he served with me, not served for me. Paul and him serving together, working together, served with me like a son, not a hired hand attitude. This is about the whole big family. Let's do it together for the family. This was Timothy's attitude. He's a young man. There are people older than him that could have been in that job. There are people more educated, people with more money, people with more things, more this, more that. Why does Paul send Timothy? Folks, this is so important for life. This is Life Skills 101. Serve as a son with the family thing in mind, and as a result of it here, therefore I hope to send him at once as soon as I see how it goes with me. Why does Timothy get sent? Because of his attitude, the way he served. This works in life wherever you go. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to download free notes from this message, then visit our website, www.coastalchurch.org.